Today's podcast episode contains material that discusses suicide and might be difficult for some listeners. If you or anyone you know is suffering with suicidal thoughts, please contact the TX support line on 04888-46988. If you feel that you're a danger to yourself or others, please contact 000 immediately. We're lucky enough today to have the amazing presence of Donna Thistlewaite. Around that, somewhere between 7 and 10 days, I just went... All right, I've made a mess of things. I, don't, I think my family's going to be better off without me. And you weren't telling anyone about how you felt? No, I felt really disconnected, disconnected from everyone and everything. You know, one of the major reasons that I share my story is because I want to give people hope. Great Mutt Radio, coming through on your wireless. <laughs> <coughs> <clears throat> Clear the old throat. No better way to do it than a good old cough in yeah. COVID times. Right, right into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Whack. Yeah. Get that India. Um, and the reason I'm clearing my throat is because we are in the studio again today. Trademark radio for another crack of an episode with an amazing guest. Always. We're lucky enough today to have the amazing presence of Donna Thistlewaite. Now, Donna is currently writing a memoir, a teaching memoir, which we've just been discussing. We might dive into a little bit, but uh, yeah, anyone writing a book is already a winner in my book. <laughs> Not that I've got a book. <laughs> She's written from Sydney to Surfers twice, uh, raising money uh, for Father Chris Rowley's Youth Off the Streets based out of Sydney. So that's incredible. She's also a lived experience. Uh, she's had a lived experience with suicide and is now a mental health first aid um, trainer, advocate, public speaker, all-round legend. Donna Thistlewaite, welcome to the studio. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Great to be here. <laughs> what an intro. Got, we got there in the end. The, I mean, the, I nearly like the whole, if you're already winner in my book, was a complete accident. The so. book, <laughs> yeah. That was a good pun. It was unintentional, but it worked. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Donna, great to have you in here. Um Again, I think this is a LinkedIn connection that, yeah. came, that came about. I so don't even know how whoever I tagged was referred. You, yeah, whoever tagged your name in our yeah. newsfeed, if you're listening, thank you very much. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, 100%. So it's uh, it's interesting because we have heard your story before. I, was, um, I think we were at an event and we were talking to someone um, and they spoke of you and, yeah, we just have never connected until now and it's great to have you in. Um Obviously, your story, which we will, you know, obviously dive into, is very close to, you know, the foundings of Trademutt and why we are doing what we do. Um, so, I mean... It is worthwhile. I will just jump in here and say, you know, that this this podcast does reference suicide. Um, and so, if, that's, if the level of that discussion brings up any issues for anyone at all, just be warned that we are going to talk about some, you know, some probably heavy stuff. And if anyone wants to reach out to anyone, we've also got TX available anytime. Trained mental health professionals and psychologists available on 0488 or fire over to tx.org if you want to check them out there. Absolutely. And um, so you're a HR professional. Yep. Which, um, which is something that we've had to invest in in our staff because now there's about 14 or 15 of us running around here. Um, plus the, the TX team upstairs. So HR was something that I'd never been involved in. Um, I don't think Dan had been involved There's in no HR, HR in a building site. If you're doing something wrong, you get told to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone complains, you get told you it again. Yeah, you get told to fuck off again. So, um, yeah, the, our HR journey has been, um, been an interesting one. And, I mean, the um, Leanne, who's sort of been helping us with our HR stuff. Shout um, out, Leanne Shout Hardage. out, Leanne Hardage. Um, has obviously taught us a, a great deal. Um, and, I mean, it's 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 going to be so interesting to hear your story coming from that world and that was your profession to, mm-hmm. to ending up 
in in this downward spiral that you had. So how how long were you in HR for, and was that something that you sort of went to uni and was were doing full time from? Yeah. Yeah, so I started uni, I guess, a bit later in life. I was probably about 27. And so, yeah, signed up for a Bachelor of Business majoring in HR. I'd done a TAFE, started a TAFE diploma the year before and just became really fascinated with this subject called behaviour. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a psychologist. This is interesting. so interesting. And then I saw this uh, TAFE career counsellor and he said to me, hmm, you strike me as somebody who might take on other people's problems. Have you ever considered HR? It's like psychology for the workplace. And it's so funny because later I became a career coach and I thought, oh my gosh, I would never say that to somebody because, you know, they train you not to take on other people's problems. But it actually turned out to be like the most beautiful journey and I was really glad that I studied HR and moved into the profession and it was a really good fit for me. That is such a weird thing to say. You're good at taking on other people's problems, so go where people have problems and just <laughs> absorb that or what? Is it just because of the empathy? I suppose it, does, I suppose it does make sense. Yeah, I think he was worried that someone like me might burn out and, you know, leave the profession, whereas HR wasn't going to be quite as heavy and, yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And then mm. how long were you in HR for? So about 15 years. Yeah, okay. And – like for everyone out there, like what? How would you define what HR is? Because I know there'd be plenty of mm. people listening, like tradies. Because yes. when we were tradies, we had no idea. Like what is yeah. HR? So it, it is uh, fairly broad because it takes in things like um, how you uh, train, uh, reward, um, and support your workforce. Really, so it's the the people side of things. So you've got your strategy, your organisational strategy, and then you have HR sort of marrying in um, to that strategy and helping to operationalise it with your people. Because to a degree, you're sort of a middleman, aren't you, between like management and then staff, and then just yes. sort of making sure that everything sort of fits together and people's yeah. issues are getting dealt with, and that your yeah. yeah procedures and stuff. So you you are sort of a sounding board in a way for people either side? Yeah, look, depending on the type of organisation that you're in, uh, that can very much be the case. It was uh, what I loved about my role in HR was I worked with our blue collar workforce. So I worked with the tradies, the electricians and um, and I loved it because there are a lot of uh, guys and everyone sort of, you know, told it as it was and that's my style and I love to be able to support them and we were very much a conduit into sort of head office and a support for the leaders in their part of the organisation and, yeah, it was great. It was very rewarding. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And you were with that organisation for 15 years? Uh, almost 17 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, wow. I didn't go straight into HR. I was studying when I started there yeah. and then uh, after I graduated, I you moved into job. a HR job. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Now, admittedly, I haven't watched the Australian Story episode. Mm. Yeah, I said it. Daniel. <laughs> because I want to come in and learn first. Yeah. <laughs> right? But uh, the, name Don- the name Donna Thistlewaite might have been heard before. A, it's mm. a fanta- you've got a fantastic name. <laughs> Has anyone told you that? <laughs> no. I love saying Thistlewaite. No. Anyway. Well, do you know, Dan, it's actually Thistlethwaite. Is it Thistlethwaite? It's Thistlethwaite. It's got like a TH in the middle and... It's a classic because I, I used to have this fantasy about um, 
getting a new surname, right? I used to go, oh, I'm not even going to marry for love. I'm just going to marry for a decent surname because it's long and people like can it. never spell it. And then I like go, more. I go, T-H-I-S-T-L-E-T-H. And they go, no, I got that. I'm like, I'm not starting again. They're going to the tipple tipple. But evidently I fucked it up. So I'm just no better than anyone else. You did this is so embarrassing. Let's just start again. Um, no, it's anyway. It is a fantastic name. Thanks, Dan. Um, Do you know I've now I'm engaged now, right? I got engaged a few years oh, ago, and it was so funny because we were with a big group of friends on Hamilton Island, and they were talking about like my surname and it becoming my partner's surname, and. Uh, and he just said to them, oh, she's not even going to change it. She's not. Oh, like, aren't you changing it? No, well, I've lived with this name yeah, yeah, for yeah. 50 odd years. It's and logistically, like, there's a bit to take care of there, isn't it? Like, you've got your yes. Facebook page, you know, <laughs> you've got the concept of hyphens. You know, I'd be more worried about my bank, my banking details on my Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, like, this, all this sort of stuff. Um, well, you know, you got to get your business cards remade. Exactly. I've that got a profile with my current name. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not changing it. Yeah, because then you're going to get people going, Donna, who? Yeah. So wait, hang on. Um, anyway, you were featured on Australian Story, mm. um, and that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. there's been some Australian Story do some awesome, awesome journalism, um, and yeah, tell some really compelling stories. So mm. you know, that must have been a hell of an experience to yeah. to to share your story to the world. Yeah, they were pretty much the only people I would have trusted with the story. And they were amazing. They did a fabulous job. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Um, yeah, I watched it the other week when you emailed it through. It was, um, yeah, it's an amazing story. And I mean, let's just dive like right into it because I, I mean, you were work as a HR professional, um, and then there was a, a a trigger that happened at work. Yeah. Um, you know, run us run us through what happened. Yeah. So I was leading a small team and on a HR project that was going to change the way that we delivered services to the business. It was going to change the number of people that we needed in the department. And I had, uh, I guess, like an argument with someone at work as she was working for me. And I had never had that happen and she actually refused to do something I'd asked her to do and I was pretty gobsmacked. I was like, whoa, it's not meant to work like this. And uh, it was in an open plan office, you know, everyone can hear and, yeah, I felt pretty, I don't know, humiliated and I walked away from that just um, like incredulous and then I was like, over the sort of next few days, just starting to have some real doubts about my ability to be a leader. And I had been guiding, coaching managers for years on how to lead. And I just thought, oh my God, what right have I got? Like, what do I know? I'm obviously really crap at this. And yeah, it just these doubts started to seed and they just got worse and worse. And I just started to think I was hopeless and and it just became the lens that I saw all the subsequent interactions that I had through. So I would have a discussion with somebody and walk away and think, oh, my God, they they know I don't have any idea what I'm doing. They know I'm hopeless. They think I'm failing. And so I just had this voice in my head just feeding me, you know, these stories, which, you know, I can see now they were stories and – 
yeah, but back then uh, I wasn't rational. I don't think I'd sort of over a, a relatively short period, I um, just really unraveled. And this was in 2012, right? This in, was in 2012. 2012, yeah. yeah. And I mean, was there anything in the lead up to that that had changed, you know, in your day-to-day or who you were as a person in the lead up to that? Or was it just something Mm. just completely out of the blue and that just triggered everything? Or was there something that led up to it? Yeah. So for a very long time, I had uh, like feelings of not being good enough. Like like pretty much I, I had a little bit of childhood trauma and I, yeah, just grew up with this feeling that there was something wrong with me, that I was different to other people, not as smart, not as fast thinking, um, basically, yeah. Not and so good. your definition of something wrong was that you weren't as good as everyone else. Yeah. Definition of yeah. Wrong? yeah, totally. Well, also, it sounds like it was just a lot of self-doubt, just generally self-doubt. Absolutely. I had a long history of that, self-esteem issues. and Which um, is not uncommon. Not uncommon. In fact, yeah. more common than I think yeah. people would care to admit or that we actually know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of my life, I guess, trying to prove that I was okay to me and to other people. So, you know, I went off to uni, as I said, a bit later and I, you know, had a had a grade point average of over six when I graduated, um, you know, had got loads and loads of sevens and stuff because I just wanted to work as hard as I could to prove I wasn't stupid. Sorry, so just for those of us who don't know what grade yep. point averages are, <laughs> yes, is seven good, seven's yeah, best. Yeah, so basically the rating scale goes from one to seven yeah. and seven is like a distinction or a high distinction, I guess. Um, and uh, your grade point average is the average of over the – 24 units that you do while you're at uni. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you were nice. so you were a high achiever. Yeah, high <laughs> yeah. achiever. Yeah. A exactly. high achiever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I didn't but that still wasn't enough for you to think I'm good enough. No. Which is very interesting. Mm. That is interesting. So there was so was it yeah, like ex- any external pressures or anything that were in your life or was it just was it just you? Yeah, so I think at the time there there were definitely were some pressures in that I had a 2-year-old. Yep. And I was working part-time and I was in a fairly busy role because it was um, sort of leading this project or sort of uh, involved in a larger project and then leading a sort of smaller project and leading a team. And I was working three days a week. And so, yeah, there was a bit going on. I didn't find parenting easy. I don't think I've ever found parenting easy, to be honest. You know, dearly love my son. Uh, but yeah, it's it hasn't been easy at all, and so I doubt there'd be many parents out there that ha- <laughs> do admit that it is easy. Yeah. I know people have said it is, but I think they're full mm, shit. Yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think anyone bringing any child up would be easy. There's always yeah. challenges. Absolutely. So yeah, that was going on um, when things started to really uh, go pear shaped at work. I wasn't sleeping very well at all. I was um, just couldn't switch my brain off at night and I had stopped exercising as well so exercise has always been a really important part of my life and uh, usually it's cycling that's what it's cycling's my happy place but it's uh, at the time I used to go to the gym because I found cycling hard to fit in back then so been back on my bike sort of five between four and five years now yeah yeah okay that's amazing Mm -hmm. and your it was a 10-day sort of event. Yeah, like a crisis, yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah, so at around that 
somewhere between seven and ten days I just went all right I've made a mess of things I don't I think my family's going to be better off without me um and I think if I were to die they would have access to my insurance which you know I don't believe that they would have anyway but i that's what I was thinking at the time. Because, I mean, that is a, you know, it'd be hard, you know, it's even hard for me to fathom that someone could go from just mm. being at work, having yeah. a blow up with an employee yeah. to wanting to end their life in 10 days. Yeah, You know, no. that's in, that's an incredibly mm. short amount of time. Yeah. You know, because a lot of us would, you know, or I definitely think that, you know, often it's a, it's a slow progression of, of things that happen and it's one mm-hmm. one thing after another. But, I mean, 10 days is a, a, an extremely quick amount of time. Yeah. And, like, how – like, could you describe to us what that progression looked like? Like, from that mm. day to, to day 10, what yeah. did that progression look like? Just for people out there so yeah, they can sure. understand. And me too and Dan. Yeah, okay. So, uh, my partner was away. He had gone on a road trip in our combi. Okay. And with his mate – and so <laughs> cool. I want to talk more about that after. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was out of the picture, and the boss that I had at the time, uh, it was um, she was a fairly new boss to me because uh, it hadn't been that long since I'd come back from maternity leave, and so she was away as well. Yep. And then I just started to, as I said, have these doubts, you know, in and out of meetings as you do in the corporate world and just just everything had this sort of negative um, sort of flavour to it for me. Uh, stopped sleeping, stopped exercising. Uh, my partner's away so I've had to pick up extra stuff at home without that support. Wasn't going home with anyone seeing how I was. Um, yeah, got quite withdrawn um, definitely people could have, would have seen that something was going on. That was my question. Did yeah. anyone pull you up at work or? So a couple of, uh, girlfriends, uh, colleagues at work, uh, said to me, are you okay? Yeah. Um, what's going on? And while I was at work, I actually wasn't suicidal and, I definitely was withdrawn and, and not myself. So by nature, I have quite a um, happy happy disposition, yeah. um, quite friendly. And you weren't telling anyone about how you felt? No. Um, so what was going through my head then was just like, oh, my God, I can't do this. I don't want to be here. I even thought, look, um, if I just leave, then maybe you know I can get a redundancy and I won't have to stay here anymore, which is sort of – that was – um, quite challenging for me because it was like I was running away from the situation, which wasn't my nature. And then also it felt dishonest as well. And so all of that was going on. And then I got to a point where I just thought, I, um, I I'm just don't want to be here. I'm just going to leave work. So I had an acting boss or a temporary boss while mine was away. I went and had a chat to him and uh, he was he was lovely. He was understanding and he sort of talked about that concept of, you know, how do we eat an elephant, the one bite at a time. Uh, but I had just decided I wanted to get away. I didn't want to be there. So, yeah, I left the workplace, um, went and saw my GP, told her what was going on, you know, my symptoms around not sleeping, etc., uh, she suggested that I have a break from work and uh, suggested some sleeping medication as well. 
And that was earlier in the week uh, of the um, attempt. And I didn't tell my partner what was happening. So he was ringing, you know, from his trip and I didn't want to spoil it because at that stage I'd probably been with him six years and he'd never gone on a boys trip and so I was like I don't want to wreck it you know and he sensed something was going on like he was due home on the Saturday he came home on the Friday um on the Friday I actually had the day off work well I was actually off work at that stage anyway and I went and met my sister and my cousin and uh, my cousin has children a similar age to our son. And we went to a play centre and I said to them that I um, was thinking that I might get a sack from work, that I just, you know, was a mess, like I'd mess things up and, um, yeah, that, that that was a possibility and they were like, oh, you know, surely not. You know, you've been there at that stage 16 years and... I'd always had good performance and was, I guess, well-regarded at work. Um, but, yeah, this was what was just playing on my mind. Oh, my gosh, you know, that I'm going to get a sack. Then, um, yeah, then then I, I can't do the job, so that's what's going to happen. And, yeah, again, my cousin and my sister, like, knew something was going on but didn't know just how much I was struggling and – then that night my partner came home and um, and similar again. Um, but, yeah, when I talked to him about what was happening, it was like it just the reality of it all hit me um, much more significantly where I just went, um, oh, my God, like this is just all so bad and I, and I can't fix it. And I rang my acting boss and said, like, can I come back to work? And he said that I that it wasn't able to, that I, you know, had to go back to the doctor and um, that it had been communicated to the CEO. And so then it just, yeah, it felt worse. That was like the last last sort of straw. Yeah, that was just... Getting confirmation you weren't going back. Yeah, just like that, that I'd actually just effed everything up, you know. Wow. Yeah, okay. Jeez, what a compounding week. Yeah. Fuck. I could just, you know... Like, yeah, that that's just – you must have just been – like your soul was just crushed through that week and you just burnt your – like your, your mind oh, just put brain. you in a position where you were just like, oh, yeah. wow. That yeah. is – yeah, that's a, a – and I'm like a strong, heavy story because mm. I can sort of – yeah, I am sort of can feel it through your voice, mm. like where – how hard it obviously was. And then you – and then, and then that was it. And then there was so, the suicidal thoughts was just yeah. So that that uh, from that point, then I started to think that could be the answer. And that Friday night, I didn't really sleep. I uh, just thought about it all night and thought about the memes and stuff like that. And yeah, when I woke up that morning, I had got out of bed. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then yeah, there's. So that was a Friday night and a Saturday night, more of the same. And and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it today. That was the Sunday. Ugh. And when you're not sleeping in a situation like that, when you are mm. awake at night, when you just so desperately need that sleep mm. and the thoughts just don't don't turn off, it just becomes irrational. And also totally. and you become um, 
Well, sleep deprivation is crippling. It's a, it mm. is absolutely crippling. Torture, so, yeah. Yeah, I just can't imagine. Yeah, what what you must have felt at that stage to have gone from zero to a hundred like that, and then to have come to the final solution. Mm. Um, that must have just been so absolutely, yeah, devastating. But at the same time, I mean, people talk about like when you come up with that plan, yeah. that it's a relief. You're like, probably oh, okay. liberated that you like yeah. this is. Is yeah. it, was that did you experience that? Yeah, I, I would I would say yes to that. Um I've I've done like are you okay training like I'm a community ambassador and mm. I've done lifeline training um you know before I became a crisis supporter there and that's often something we talk about as a warning sign around suicide that people actually become sort of like calmer and um seem okay yeah. uh, because they've got that clarity and yeah i would say that's the case and wh- why do you th- why do you For think me? looking back now you didn't reach out to someone why didn't you tell anyone yeah good question yeah yeah so i i felt like i was a failure and to let people know it was just like broadcasting that it was like i don't want compounding people to know. Yeah. Like you already feel like shit. Your world's been rocked because yeah. everything that you thought you were, you've suddenly realised you weren't. Mm. And then being able to own that out loud compounds that yeah. entire feeling. It's like a cycle. Yeah. Self-perpetuating scenario. Mm. Wow. I did reach out to one person, which is so bizarre. I had worked with a psycholo- psychiatrist years ago, uh, Dr. Blair West and I sent him an email and I said, hey, George, I've got these crazy thoughts in my mind of ending my life and it bounced back. He changed email addresses. Yeah, You're kidding me. Fuck. (laughs) It had been about five or six years since I'd worked with him, maybe five years. What did that do when that bounced back? What did that do for you? Yeah, it was crazy. I don't, I don't, I, I just remember going, whoa, like, hmm. Is that a sign? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Throwing it straight back in your face. Yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, that's... (laughs) That was my call for help. But you know what? I guess what that shows is that there was some desire to get help. Um, But, yeah, interesting that it was only the one person. I guess because of his skills and, you know... um, the, the area that he works in, it was a logical person to reach out to. But yeah, yeah. it's a shame I didn't think to reach out to Lifeline or ta- something. But it takes a lot of it takes a lot of gusto for anyone to reach out in a situation mm. like that, and you want that to be a successful experience. Yeah, you know, like it needs to yeah. be. And when it just doesn't turn out like that, mm. you just must feel defeated. Yeah, it was bizarre. Eh? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a wild and so thing after to happen you, after you reached out there, yeah. what, like it was, it was probably solidifying your loop pattern to be like, yeah. oh fuck, that's yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, and so that's you know, and, and the, the the lead up to your attempt, mm-hmm. you know, you're obviously you're probably like we we're talking about before, you're probably feeling liberated, you're probably feeling empowered, you're like this is. A, a solution. Made a decision. Yeah. yeah. But what was that? Because I know on Australian Story, you talked mm. about how you walked over back yeah. across the bridge a few times. And what yes. were you saying to yourself then? Like, what was. Yeah. Because I can't imagine. Because, like, I like I am petrified of death, right? It scares the yeah. fucking shit out of me. Because it's like, you know, I'm not really sure what's going to, what's, what's going on, even mm. though, you know, we're all heading there and you've got to accept it. Totally. But to be 
putting yourself in a position where fuck, I'm I'm gonna get into this right now yeah. is a feeling that I just can't comprehend. Mm. You know, I can't comprehend that. So what you know, what was what was going through your mind during that that last few minutes? Yeah. So when I drove to the bridge, I my my objective was to just plan. I went there to work out where I would park later that night when I came back and basically what I would do when I got there. And once I was there, I just uh, I was walking across the bridge a, a couple of times just thinking about it all. And then at one stage I, I thought someone was following me as well and maybe they were. I, I'm not sure. There was like a um, jogger or something and I was like, Oh God, is that guy? Yeah, is he looking at me? Is he following me? It might have been paranoia, right? I definitely wasn't rational at the time. Yeah, and um, yeah, well, I got to one under the bridge, and I just because I kept thinking about it and, and thinking about my family, I felt really disconnected, disconnected from everyone and everything, including you know the people on the bridge, and and then I just thought, well, you're here, you're here, just do it. Do it now, basically. And you don't remember anything, right, from from the actual attempt mm. because the you just woke up in hospital, right? Yeah. So I remember climbing over the fence. I remember climbing over the fence. I remember. Was my, there anyone around you? Yeah, there were, but I can't really. You just blocked I don't know out. how close they were. Yes. Yeah. I rang and left a message on my partner's voicemail, and then I sort of dropped my bag and took off my shoes and then I just really quickly climbed over and it wasn't very easy. Uh, you know, it was a little, I'm short. It was sort of a bit of an effort and then my breath was just taken away. It was like, <gasps> like this. And then I just um, calmly said to myself, it's okay. I'm just going to the other side and then I just relaxed. And, I'm and then, yeah. oh, sorry. Sorry, you go, yeah. go, go. I was just going to say, I, I remember actually uh, – not so much hitting the water. I just I remember coming up to the surface and just my body uh, stinging a lot, a lot of pain. Because it was in the middle of winter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really because was freezing. The interesting part of the Australian story was the city cat driver mm. and assistant that yeah. saw you in the water. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously helped get you out um, mm. and, and to the to the bank. I mean, their story as well is quite an interesting one. And you only met mm. again on the Australian story thing, right? Yes. Was that when you that f- was, yeah, reconnected? Yeah, totally. So I had no recollection of them. Uh, yeah. Australian story, uh, tracked them down and we went out on a boat uh, for the filming and, you know, obviously I got to meet them and they were just amazing guys, really, really lovely. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and it was so interesting hearing their perspective of it mm. and how – you know, obviously that's such a confronting thing to go over and make happen because they, yes. they didn't know. They were like uh, – they think they were saying they're like they think this woman or this person has fallen off the bridge. Mm. Um, but then how their boss was just like, you've mm. got to fucking make up some time because you've missed three stops by saving this person. And then there was just never anything spoken about it. Yeah. It's just fucking mind-blowing. I know. It's crazy. Like, that is just so mind-blowing that that's mm. what happened to those two men. Yeah. Um, and, geez, I just hope that that sort of stuff isn't happening anymore. Mm, um, but it is just, yeah, such a confronting story for everyone involved. And then you you obviously came to in hospital. Yeah. Um, and then that was obviously 
what, yeah, run us through that. I mean, waking up, mm. were you, what were your injuries? Did you? I fractured five vertebrae and a rib and lacerated my liver. Okay. So you, yeah, right. So, so lucky you didn't break because they they say obviously from that height you, you're gonna it's like hitting concrete and you break yeah. all your bones and your feet and your legs. So mm. that's um you probably you've you've obviously come away there extremely lucky mm. to only have done that sort of damage. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, wow. And then you've just woken up and and, and run us through run us through that. Mm. So I just when I woke up, I didn't know where I was and I just felt really hot and there was like this hypothermia blanket on top of me. So it it was like weighted and hot and I was just like, where the hell am I? And then, yeah, I saw my partner and his mother actually and then I realised where I was and what had happened and I I was pretty spun out that I was alive to be honest. I was like, oh, this isn't how I thought things were going to go. Was it relief that you were alive? It certainly is now. I I, I didn't I, – I was shocked. It was shocked. It was yeah. the biggest emotion for me at that time. And I didn't feel, as I've sometimes heard people feel, like annoyed that it hadn't worked. I was just surprised. I was just like, whoa, this isn't what I expected. And, yeah, over the sort of – time that I was in hospital I I was only in like the royal for about eight days I just was desperate to get out of there and there was like a family birthday coming up and I was like yeah I don't want to be here and I came to the conclusion that I must have survived for a reason that yeah there must be something I'm There's meant no to doubt. do. There's how, no doubt. How long did that take? How long did that realisation take to come around? Um, a few days, I would say. Because obviously you're dealing with some pretty severe physical injuries, but mm. you know, you're also at the same time dealing with, you know, some severe psychological traumas. You know? And yeah. and so you're not just navigating the sheer fact of being in hospital for those injuries, but you know, coming oh. to terms with mm. The entire thing, all the emotions, yeah. like you would have, like and and not to mention that this is just you. Then you've got your support oh, yeah. networks and your oh, yeah. family who are. Oh, oh my god! Everyone was traumatized. Oh, equally, oh, and the yeah. workplace and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My workplace were amazing. I have to say, were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, they did an amazing job. You know, I had people like a, a senior manager visit me in hospital and. The um, after I got out of hospital and went to that, it was like a two-year-old's birthday party. Um, I then uh, a couple of days later checked myself into the mental health unit as well, and I was visited there. Obviously, I agreed to that, but I felt like I could have stayed, and that was pretty amazing. And I, you know, for any employers out there, you know, I think a lot can be learned from that yep. experience because well, I felt respected through the process. Uh, I felt like my um, private privacy had been maintained, which was that was really, really helpful. That that made me feel as though I could have stayed if I'd wanted to. Yeah, and did you in the obviously in the time following that? There's a huge mm. amount of time where there's a whole lot of self reflection. Obviously, oh, yeah. therapy. Yeah. Possibly medication. Not sure. Yeah. Um, but you obviously going through a whole range of motions to. Mm come to terms and rehabilitate yourself, you know, with everything yeah. that's going on. Yeah, mentally and physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The injuries were um, 
you know, they're pretty substantial. <laughs> um, and I was like, uh, I just don't want to be on medication. So I, I did take some antidepressants. Uh, I had some interesting conversations with the doctors because they kept saying that I was depressed and I was like, oh, I don't really feel like it was depression. Like I, I know that it's not normal to do what I did. Like to me – Looking back and with the extra knowledge I have now, I, I think it was sort of like a form of anxiety and I feel like that I've probably lived with anxiety all yeah. my life, all that like not ever feeling enough and everything was a form of anxiety, like just a mild form that was just bubbling away there. It was lingering. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I was doing lots of research. Can you not, you know, do you have to be depressed to do what I did? And so I was just trying to make sense of it all and – and then also just like make sure it didn't happen again. Like I saw what my family went through and I was just like, oh, it's not the answer. And in fact, when I went to the mental health unit, uh, the nurse that checked me in told me that my son would be at, greater, at 50% greater risk of suicide in his lifetime if I had completed suicide. So I've tried to verify that stat, but what I can – absolutely know is true that there is greater risk to your children and that, you know, they can potentially feel like they caused it in some way. And so from that moment, I just went, no matter how life, bad life gets, I'm never going to curse my son. Yeah. Like and that. Up until that point, had in your entire life, had suicide ever been any consideration in any circumstance at all? So, yes and no. Occasionally I would think walking over the bridge, I used to walk around a lot for exercise and I used to live at Norman Park and walk into the city and just occasionally I would have this feeling going, you know, you could, you know, you could jump, you know. And but it wasn't it wasn't a reflection of things even being bad in my life or anything. It would just be this random thought that popped into my head. I know I I think I know what you're talking about because like I've experienced this sort of feeling. You know when you're in a on a on a high balcony, you're in a, oh. you're in a high, mm. and you just and and I know Absolutely. that the handrail is mm. there's more of me above it than below it, and mm. it's like you're a tall drink of water, mate. Yeah, and I don't think about needing like to end my life mm. because you know for, for you know for any as any kind of solution or anything. More yeah. just the fact that you could physically climb over that handrail and jump. Mm. And or yeah, it's but not. It's not a. And I think it's. Well, people talk about the fear of heights being. It's not. It's not the fear of the height. It's the fear that they'll jump off, which I've heard before. Yeah. I don't. I also don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. But that's what I have heard. That's why people are scared of heights because they're, they're afraid they're going to yeah jump. Yeah, and it's just yeah. Um, so I. I yeah, I've I definitely felt. I've definitely felt I that think, too yeah. in high rise buildings, like at Slim's mm. apartment. I freak out going to bed because I'm like, because I haven't slept walked since grade eight. First <laughs> night of boarding school, grade eight. It's the last time I've ever slept walked. But petrified every time I stay there, thinking, "Fuck, if I sleepwalk, mm. there's no. I'm, I'm never going to survive if I go off that balcony." Because um, Alana's my wife's um, cousin. Uh, her hubby um, was. I'm staying in Sydney one night. He fell off a five-story balcony. You know, he slept walked off oh it gosh. because he's um, a sheep farmer from down near Cowra, and they reckon he just leapt the rail in his sleep, oh and he landed gosh. landed in a banana lounge next to the pool and survived. <laughs> Fucking miracle! Wow. But yeah, so that, those sorts of things. It's like yeah. holy shit. 
that just petrifies mm. me. So I suppose, yeah, the question was it's sort of not around, you know, whether you could, whether you were in and around those areas and you could like physically climb over a handrail, yeah. but like you had those thoughts about like needing to do that no. because of struggles. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I hadn't. Yeah, yeah. This was, yeah. This so was I, I, think I, th- I, I think that that is probably pretty common, mm. to be honest, from yeah. conversations I've had with people where yeah. you consider like, oh God, like, you know. Uh, but not as a way of like actually ending your life for you know yeah. to, to 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 put yourself at ease. No, no, no. So that so let, let's talk about the you know obviously the the journey afterwards and and what that yeah. I mean it would have taken you months just to heal physically, yeah. right? You're probably lucky you're not in a wheelchair. Is that right? Like where did you break your vertebrae? Um, oh gosh. So uh, I think somewhere thoracic spine and then like um, the lumbar spine. So did yeah. you need to learn to walk again or anything like no, that? No, no, no. Um, I couldn't uh, just walk around as freely yeah. and comfortably. I'd sort of shuffle and I was in a bit of pain. And as I said, I was pretty keen to get off the um, pain meds. So yep. after a few days, because oh, uh, I really feel like endone and oh, yeah, makes me feel sick. And yeah. so I was just on Panadol and Nurofen yep. and, yeah, just uh, – uh, I think I had six weeks off work, six weeks before I went back to work, and that's a quick that's a quick turnaround. Six weeks, yeah. isn't it? Like that's a pretty. So what was the so so did you go start seeing you know psychologists, psychiatrists, or yeah? So I had the psychiatrist I'd seen years before, George, who I mentioned before, and so I worked with him to try and. Est- come up with a plan of what I would do next because I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in that environment. But um, I, I had this thought that something very significant had just happened in my life and maybe it was because I wasn't in the right place. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? And, yeah, so I worked with him to work that out and I I was very fortunate that I was able to access a redundancy, which made my life a bit easier. I studied the following year. Okay. And so that was, um, that made a very big difference. Um, Yeah, so I worked with him. And then when I was at the mental health unit, I found that what, you know, their primary focus was really um, keeping you alive, you know, making sure that you... um, yeah, didn't didn't make further attempts and that you were safe. And I had gone there thinking that they might help me understand, you know, what happened. What happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can kind of you. I can see when you talk. Like I can look into your eyes. I can see you like pausing and thinking back. Mm. And I'd imagine putting yourself exactly in the position that you were in as you remember it. Mm. And. For starters, like it's incredibly brave of you, and obviously, you've—I'm um, assuming you've been told this before—but it's incredibly brave to see you sitting here, not only taking ownership of this kind of stuff, but you know, being able to talk through this stuff must be or must have been traumatic for a long time, but also taken you a long time to actually come to terms with. Mm. Do you find that it, like, it took? Well, how long did it take for you to start to come to terms with, you yeah. know? Because that's and and are you in a place now where you are fully, or do you, is it always a lifelong thing to be working through this stuff? Yeah, I don't know. it probably 
is like your life work I think but not not so much that incident like I've become really focused on just how do I stay well you know how do I continue to grow I feel like there's always been a part of me that was interested in growth Um, I don't know if um, like that word seeker that people use uh, I feel like that has been me and maybe it was because you know I had a few challenges as a a young person and it's sort of like well I want to actually grow I want to you know find or live the best life I could um and so yeah I feel like I was often seeking that out and then I am really well now I um like I love my life I have um like I love myself which I don't think I could have always said and I accept myself and I know I'm not perfect and that that's okay um, none of us is actually perfect. <laughs> Preaching. <laughs> um, but yeah, it took a few years. So uh, we didn't tell people and I think that actually made it harder in hindsight. You didn't tell people outside of the family? Yeah, like, but just a few friends. But like for, for quite a few years, there was like maybe a couple of handfuls of people who knew. Yeah, and so why was that? Was it shame? Did you feel yeah. shame? Uh, I th- it? I, it was a few things. I think shame came into it uh, definitely, and stigma. Um, you know, it's people don't talk about this sort of stuff. Um, this is almost ten years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. getting closer to ten years. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that so ten years ago, I'm trying to think. Yeah, 2012. What the conversation mm-hmm. was like back then, but I mean, yeah, it is interesting to think that that's the. That's the safe way to do it because obviously you're trying to protect yourself and your family because yeah. you're like, I don't want everyone to know. But then there's probably also the murmurings to be like, well, fuck, what, what, what were you telling people? Because obviously you yeah. had sustained injuries. What were you saying? Yeah. You had a bike accident or something? So I, um, I'd i had a bit of a history of back pain. I, I don't anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think we just told people that I'd hurt my back. And, you know, just think about it. I was – you know, offline for six weeks. But how often do you have, like, you know, a few months before you see your mates All again? the time. Yeah. All like, the time. It's not yeah. It's not that period of time. It wasn't hard to hide. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I um, suppose you're right. It was a bit harder with work. Um, but, yeah, I just told people I'd hurt my back, which was true. Um, and part of the other reason we kept it a secret was my son was two years old. Yeah. And I I wanted to be the person who told him what happened. I didn't want him to hear it from any other person. And I knew that he wasn't going to be ready for ages. And so I just, yeah, Waited that was why. Then. Yeah. So what was that conversation like with your son? You know, how that, obviously that would have been an extremely hard thing to do and to explain mm. to him, yeah. you know, for him to know that it wasn't anything about him. Yeah. It was you actually... You, in your mindset, you thought you were helping him out by mm. by going. Yeah. Which is, yeah, a hard thing. And how old was he? When you- so he was seven when we had the conversation. Yeah. And we had it because it was uh, a strange storm was being filmed and they uh, wanted him in the show because obviously he's a key person in my life. And... So out of respect for him, we wanted to tell him what was going on and then also obviously if it was going on national TV, there's a chance that he would hear people talking about it. 
So, yeah, it was an interesting conversation because, you know, he was still very, very young. Yeah, seven so is young. Yeah. What grade are you in? in um, seven. I think he was probably grade, grade three. three. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's okay. a very – yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and how has and he, he dealt with that through the progression, you know, growing up? In yeah. your continual conversations and obviously what you're doing now because you're, you're very much surrounded by the mental health conversation yeah. with what you do. Yeah. So it, it wasn't an easy conversation and I just told him that I had these really unhelpful thoughts in my head and, um, you know, they caused me to make that decision and, yeah, I just – I answered, you know, questions he had when, and there weren't many. Um, but I think too he was at that – very literal sort of stage of his development because I remember something happening a couple of weeks later and maybe we were at the shops or something and, you know, I said blah, blah, blah. And he went, oh, so is that why you jumped off the bridge, mum? And then I was a bit like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's good that yeah. he can just like, <laughs> you know, he's just nonchalant about yeah. it, you know, like that That takes a lot. So that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty funny. I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, do you want to talk about that some more? And I think we will be having that conversation for probably for the rest yeah. of his life because, Absolutely. you know, uh, as we evolve and, and uh, you know, as as each of us grows too, your understanding of things changes, doesn't it? So your perspective. So, um, yeah, he's pretty he's pretty cool with it all now. Um, uh, there was a time, I don't know, a year or so ago when something was happening and he said to me, um, oh, mum, I'm so glad that you survived because who would help those people that you help? And I was like, oh, wow, man. That's powerful. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Do you believe, like, are you a believer in, like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the words, like, fate and destiny, but, like, do you believe the two in you things, just used. <laughs> but to, paint, yeah, to paint the picture, but do you believe in, in things happening for a reason, or have, have you believed that in your life, or do you believe that now? Yeah, so I think I have always believed that, and... And definitely believe that now. I think I'm here for a reason. And you know, I don't. I don't know. Is it justification um, or you know a sense of purpose? Um, you know, is it my way of justifying that? But even if that's the case, I'm okay with that because it has helped me to you know process and make sense of what's happened and and be able to use that experience positively um, for myself and others. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's um, yeah, it's quite a journey. I mean, I'm just taking it all in because far out. It's I mean, it's um, it's a it's a powerful story um, and it's a hard one. And like Dan was <coughs> saying, you know, I can you can see it in your eyes telling it how hard it obviously is to to tell this back. Even you know when it happened nearly ten years ago, mm. um, it's such a traumatic thing to happen. And all the little things that you know you know thinking about. Yeah, the the waking up. The, what do you tell people at work? What do you tell your mates? What do you tell your son? You know, what do your parents think? You know, there's so much to deal with through the survival of it. But at the same time, on the um, with the relationship side of things, mm. it sounds like actually it wasn't broadcast to mm. too many people. No, That's no. Right. But I mean, but you've still yeah. got that. You'd still be thinking that. Yeah. Thinking, fuck. What are all these people going to think? 
and how yeah. am I going to explain this to these people? Yeah. And then what what was the reaction with from your friends and stuff that you hadn't told until you'd told your son? What what, what was the reaction like then? Because obviously yeah. it was a few years, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when we were filming A Strange Story, uh, they actually wanted to come with us on a camping trip to the actual campground I went to the weekend just gone. Yeah, yeah. And um, – uh, it's called Bluff Creek at Kenilworth. Oh God, we've just world's best secret is out in the open. Now. Uh, <laughs> do you know <laughs> it? Everyone's going to be out there now. No, but oh, I know Kenilworth. Like oh my god, like everyone stops at the bloody ch- the dairy know. at the dairy joint there. My God, the they shipped factory. a bit of cheese <laughs> <laughs> and ice cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, two great things. Yeah. Oh, so cool. yeah, so I was sort of like, um, I was like, oh well. Our friends don't know. <laughs> like a bunch of friends don't know. And we were going for a friend's 40th and uh, I said – I rang one of the girlfriends who did know and said, oh, like, hey, did you tell your partner because it was her partner's 40th? And um, she's like, oh, why? What's happened? What? And I was like, no, nothing like that. I'm just – I'm bringing a film crew out of the trip. I've got to ask Amy if I can bring these people to her 40th and blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to tell everybody. And uh, at the time I was doing these videos in my career coaching business and she said to me, why don't, why don't you do a video? And so that's what I did. I did a video to our friendship group and it's pretty large. And sent it to them and said, "Hey, look, just a heads up. This has happened." And that's an interesting way of doing it, isn't it? Mm, it's it, a, well, like it, a great way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, it, that's not, yeah. I'm it, not saying it's a, not a great thing to do. I'm just saying it's an interesting way to do it. It's like yeah, yeah. you just get them all at once with the same message, exactly, and no confusion. Yep. That's but yes. then like my instant thing is like. Uh, how did you send it? Like, what platform did oh, you send um, it on? On Messenger. On Messenger. So, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so it's, you fired Group it. Messenger. Cool. So, you fired it off, and then I'm um, um, guessing you're like, there's like, fuck, right, I've done this. Wow. And then you start to see people's profile icons drop down to that uh, message that it's, that's been opened. And then yeah. they're obviously watching it, and you would be waiting for someone to say something. Mm, yeah. How was that? Um, I didn't sort of wait with a bated breath, but yeah, I, I certainly went and looked at the messages and they were just incredible. Like, yeah, people were just so beautiful and just, um, yeah, it, it was incredible. Like it was very heartfelt and I felt so supported. And did heard, I suppose, as, mm. as well here. Yeah. Did your friendship group feel like um, they – uh, in some form, like missed out on an opportunity to be there for you. When it, that mm, that just came up on the weekend, actually. So we we don't talk about it very much. You know, it's something that's happened. We moved on from it, but yeah. it was so weird being at that campground again on the weekend. It brought some of that up for people, um, and uh, I guess maybe because I'm writing the book now as well, and uh, yeah. Our friend, one of our friends, Amy, said at the end, you know, I, I still grapple a bit with that, you know, feeling of, um, I would have, I should have been there, I would have liked to yeah. have been there, whatever. And that was another reason we didn't tell everybody because I, I didn't want people to feel that. To feel like they'd missed something. Yeah, yeah, that that feel, yeah, exactly that. And I know one of my friends, I was at her place uh, the weekend before. And, yeah, I deliberately didn't tell her for that reason because I was just like, I don't want her to feel that because, 
you know, I didn't let on very much at all. Yeah. So obviously you've gone through everything that we've just talked about yep. is huge. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. It's just, it's really powerful, incredible of you. Um, and what did the, the time after that look like when you yeah. started to regain a sense of normality about your life, mm. new perspective, thinking yeah. about working again, mm. all of these kinds of things. How did that roll out? Because, um, you know, we're going to sort of, <laughs> you know, get, we'll sort of roll into <laughs> talking about two. what you're doing now and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But, yeah, how did yeah. that sort of – what did that look like? Yeah, so uh, about six months after, yeah, the the – uh, attempt I trained as a lifeline crisis supporter I did that you know as a volunteer for four and a half years and that was again part of my strategy to um, use what happened for good and then also just uh, risk mitigation for the future like how do I make sure I don't go there again that must be confronting for having gone through that and then mm. working for lifeline on the crisis yeah. support call like line yeah dealing with yeah. people who were in your exact situation yeah, I mean, they train you really well. There's a model and, yeah, it's uh, – I I really, um, yeah, found it very valuable to do that work. Was it almost like a bit cathartic yeah. to, to put yourself in that environment? Mm. It was very much that uh, how do I help others with what I've been through? And you don't tell your story on the phones at Lifeline. Oh, shit, no. No, they've got a model you work through and so yeah, – yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? You yeah. can't say that oh, oh, I can empathise? No. no. Fuck, well, you can really? say – you can empathise but you can't share your story because it's about the caller and, uh, you know, focusing on them. Yeah. And, and because they could ring up and then, you know, ring up tomorrow night and they're not going to get you. And so, you know, not everyone who works on that line has got to – you know, had a personal experience. So, yeah, so I think that was really helpful. And then sort of it would actually be a few years later that I had this epiphany where I just went, you know what, I know I'm never, ever going to do that again, but I don't feel like I've dealt with what caused it. I still feel like there's something wrong with me. I still have unhelpful thoughts, not, not suicidal thoughts, but thoughts that I'm boring, that there's something wrong with me. And, yeah, one day just I was having coffee with some ladies that I'd catch up with regularly. And I just blurted out what was going on, you know, and they're like, what are you talking about? That's not what we see. We like see this, you know, really bright energy, you know, someone can light up a room when she walks into it and I was like, what is going on? There is a disconnect with what, between what I think is happening and what other people are experiencing and that was a real turning point where I just went, okay, I don't want to live like this and I, I, pretty much just ask the universe, what do I need? I was like, what do I need for fulfilling life? And then this whole, like over the next year, really intensely, and then the following year, just lots of growth, lots of people coming into my life, just insights, yeah. Because you are putting yourself out there, I suppose, and that's what was, yeah, universe yeah. sort of pulling people into you. Yeah. Are you like a spiritual or religious person or anything like that? Like what's your... I would say spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you just yeah. feel um, like, yeah, with positive energy and, and surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Because was yeah. that something that you're obviously, you've got a lot more feeling for that now post-incident? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, um, the, the, the journey, it's, it's amazing how, you know, these things need to happen for people to be put on you know, mm. these sorts of trajectories and stuff like that because there's absolutely no way we'd be doing what we're doing if Dan's mate hadn't, you know, yeah. taken his life. We'd be out there slogging a hammer somewhere in fucking Barden probably, putting a deck in somewhere, 
talking about all the different wild and wonderful things we could be doing, you know, in our lives. Um, it's yeah, the reality is is that you need tragedy and you need, mm. for want of a better word, fucked up situations to happen to wake you up, create solutions, yeah, yeah. Or to, to, to and to, to force change, yeah. yeah. Like it's it doesn't happen. You don't get yeah. one without the other. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting concept. You talked about um, sort of earlier on about how when the thing happened at work, the the one episode that happened yeah. at work that, that was sort of like the trigger, the, 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 the chain trigger. reaction. It set yeah. off a chain reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, that could happen to anyone. No one is immune to that. Yeah. And it just and you mentioned also that you you know, you, you had some stuff from your childhood and you know, we've mm. one of our great mates, Nick Sutherland, who sort of drove into us this idea that <laughs> for a lot of people adulthood is unfucking their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I <laughs> agree. I agree. And and it and it is because we all everyone it's like every I have conversations with everyone and it's always it, goes back to your childhood and no childhood yeah. is perfect everyone has totally. their shit that they go through but you've got to unpack that you mm. know and it can be so difficult to unpack because when you experience mm. those things at such a young age where you haven't emotionally evolved grown you yeah. know establish yourself yet it's yeah. hard to even make sense of that but we you haven't been set up yeah but yeah. you think like potentially that there was underlying things there from a long time ago um that you know for a long time had you questioning your sense of self-worth or like your identity in this kind of stuff mm. and for a long time you were on a on a on a path you know to sort of push those thoughts away and be mm. who you, you didn't feel like you were and then you've had an one incident in a workplace that has yeah. completely just dismantled your your yeah. bedrock yeah. Your, your whole entire that foundation. foundation wasn't strong enough that's for sure how like and does that was that the point that sort of made that evident that there was other stuff to work on? There were deeper yeah. things to work on. Yeah, and I had tried to do some work. I, like I really had mm. uh, that psychiatrist I mentioned, George. I I went and saw him because of relationship issues and the fact that I was uh, constantly attracted to men who weren't right for me or that weren't able to give me what I was looking for. I would by sort of like the time I saw him, I was really keen to have a baby. I was in my sort of mid-late 30s. And so I um, – I've just lost my train of thought. Um, Setting up the bedrock and yes, knowing that Yeah, so to. I had tried to do some work. And, yep. you know, I, what I say to people nowadays is just keep going until you find what you need to get you on track because I don't think there is one type of therapy or intervention or activity that works for every person. It's about finding what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's important that you actually listen to yourself, like your body Oh, I reckon Your body gives you messages. I really reckon that. The the self – the negative self-talk and the yeah. thoughts that come up in your head, although, yeah. as you say, unhelpful, very unhelpful, but I can guarantee everyone has a, a wide range of unhelpful thoughts. Oh, totally. They just let happen like they're on cruise control and they don't actually like yeah. stop and like think about 
who's creating those thoughts and mm. where they're coming from and you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that conscious decision to focus in on exactly mm. why yeah. and what. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Your body just oozes stuff out. You know? It comes like, out of you in one way or another. It, come, yeah. it, it totally. does come out. And All those repressed thoughts and feelings yeah, and but it's then emotions. It's, <laughs> then it's the, the grapple of the, the head, heart and gut, mm. you know. Three very, very powerful decision-making components of, of yourself. Yeah. Which can often contradict each other as well. Mm. So yeah, one pulls against the other and you're like, well, which one do I believe? But it's, in, but it's important to, you know, that's what professional support is about, yeah. literally helping you unpack those things. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's very important to, to get in and unpack it and, and have a talk about it because as soon as that starts mm. to get out, you can start to take ownership and, yeah. and deal with those root causes. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk. Oh, sorry, you go. You go. go. No, 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 no. You, uh, if you're, you're about to go where I was, I was going. Go, oh, so, but you've got the card in your hand, so <laughs> you've got the card to my happiness yeah, right there. Yeah. So, Donnie, you gave us a couple of cards before we started. Um, I'd love to know, you know, what these words on here mean to you, and what why you carry these around and hand them out. Yeah, right. So I give these out to audience members as a. a take home a, a keepsake uh, it's easy to fit in your wallet or your purse uh, these are pretty much the first six strategies that I found when I decided that I was going to change my life that I was going to create this more fulfilling life and yeah that's uh, the first one is gratitude practice oh my gosh gratitude incredible can be done in lots of different ways but so powerful you know we've got that part of our brain called the RAS you guys have probably heard of it the reticulated activating system that just looks for whatever we pay our attention to. And, you know, if you're going to get a red Mazda, all of a sudden you see red Mazdas everywhere. They were always there. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden you're tuned in. Well, it works like that with gratitude when you're looking at and for and appreciating the good things. Oh, my gosh, you see more good things. Yeah, that's cool. It's incredible. So I've got a really cool practice that I came across from this woman called Pam Grout who's got a great book called Thank and Grow Rich. Anyway, it's myself and four other people. We text three things we're grateful for to each other every day. Oh, that's cool. I know, right? It's been going four years and uh, it started off just a couple of us and over a few months we grew it to five. Five is a good number because you've got to read everyone's texts. <laughs> but um, honestly, group messages. Oh, oh, they God. get out of control, don't they? Yeah. It's well, like this is cool. There's just yeah, five, yeah. and you get a reminder when there's come in. Because I used to write in a gratitude diary, and I used to sometimes forget, go to bed, and be kicking myself for forgetting. Um, that I get a reminder when there's come in. But what I love about this practice was, you actually get to experience their joy as well so you're in touch with what's great in your own life but you're actually witnessing and i guess vicariously experiencing other people's joy as well and and sometimes when other people um when you can do that when you can read what other people are grateful for you can be like oh fuck i'm actually grateful for that too for that same thing in my own life and i don't even think of that for sure and can you when you're practicing gratitude like that on a practical level can you say the same thing so yeah we we have a we have a rule that or um, guide that you shouldn't say the same thing again or at least not in that month fuck yeah Yeah. you got to come up with a few things don't you what if you come up with three things oh my gosh oh it's so funny my because my little boy knows i do this obviously and um it's funny one day because my partner and him and i'd have dinner and i'd say we used to do this practice of um what's something 
that you're grateful for today and they'd like struggle you know my partner would roll his eyes and I'd get really annoyed and one day my son was like oh um he challenged me. He said he'd unpack the dishwasher if I could come up with 10. I was like, yeah, sure, 10's easy. I was able to come up, well, I negotiated from 30 down to 27. I came up with 27 things I was grateful for in one day. You know, it's that whole what yeah, you wow. tune into. Yeah, interesting. You, yeah, I suppose when you are actively of, looking for it, things yeah. will pop up, yeah. Yeah, they pop up during the day. And the thing is, you mm. know, when you said, well, you know, what if you haven't got anything? Well, you know, there's so much we take for granted. Oh, yeah. You know. it's, it's the process of like actually focusing in and, and, act and like, you know, making the decision Analy- to think. Analyzing. Yes. Like to think. Yeah. And that's the point of gratitude yep. is it's pausing yeah. to think because yeah. people don't do that enough. Brain totally. Yeah, turn your hot. bloody melon on. <laughs> 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 the hot water or the cold water that comes out of the shower, you know, like yeah, the smile yeah. you exchange with somebody in the supermarket, you know, the person who let you in in the traffic. The scent of the candle that we forgot to light. No, it's <laughs> I, I stuffed it up. I put the the, the lighter into yeah, wax. Uh, I can't get it going. Oh I yeah, I made right. a mistake. Anyway, yeah. um, that's so, cool. I like yeah. that. And you and you hear that a lot. People yes. say practice gratitude, and people uh, like sing its praises. It's been proven in research many times over now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's power, and yeah. it's simple. You know, and there's lots of different ways. Yeah. Lots of different ways you can do it. So. Sorry, and yeah. it was Pam Grout, Think and Grow Rich, right? Thank and Grow Rich. Thank and Grow Rich. Yeah, Thank not like Napoleon Hill's Think yeah. and Grow Rich. Love Step it. number two, be yeah. still and breathe. Yeah, so that's what you just said, isn't it, Dan? People don't stop. So they kind of go together almost yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Or they can. Or, or you can we have can a separate practice. Yeah. I mean, the important thing is just spending some time being present. So, you know, if um, like people get a bit freaked out by meditation, I do meditation, but, uh, you know, sometimes people go, oh, my mind's too crazy for that, whatever. But, you know, those <laughs> that's why you need to meditate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a that's practice. Yeah, it is a practice, yeah. yes. But um, the other thing you can do is just start with being mindful, you know, just having periods where you're awake. You just start with even when you clean your teeth. All right, for the two minutes I'm going to clean my teeth, I'm actually going to be here. I'm actually yeah. going to connect in with myself. I think the issue is that uh, people think meditating is, yeah, sitting um, in a certain position with your arms mm. out, having a straight um, back and all that sort of stuff. No, yeah. I, I have, the, I have the, um, the, when they're like sitting there trying to meditate a few times. The Ace Venture. Home and um, – and suddenly that magpie that's out the back that is just going, meh, <laughs> That's a crow, isn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know? so that's a strange looking sound so, magpie. And then I'm in the space of, right, I'm meditating. I'm not thinking I've about anything I've else. But I can hear that and here it is with me and I'm meditating. But you're present. Like, you're yeah, present yeah, 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 to yeah. it. But How cool is that? But that's the thinking. It's like you don't have to be blocking out all the stuff it can just, it's just you're you actually hearing they're the hearing the bird and that's like that's the yeah. point but right? my, so yeah but, but absolutely but my thing's just laying, laying down <laughs> laying down on a yoga mat like that's um, just my thing because it's just like nice. so much easier i can get comfortable you know yeah and then close my that's eyes right. and and just and listen to whatever i normally just put the stuff that on on youtube normally go for like 35 minutes 40 minutes or whatever yeah nice and they're great yeah cool um, apps there's heaps of apps yeah heaps of apps butterfly simply being one giant mind loads of apps that can help with this yeah absolutely yeah so then apps aren't out there to just take your money you know <laughs> no oh, you get some oh good buddy helpful stuff some of them are amazing yeah 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 and uh, what's, what's creating best year goals? Ah, so just thinking about what would have happened if you just had your best year. Projecting yep. forward, right, okay. 
we just met up, best year ever. What happened? Who was there? What did you feel? What could you smell? What could what, what were you thinking? You know, what can you hear? Um, and yeah, just writing those things down. Five or six cool things. And I've had so many like on my career coaching clients, and I used to run a little workshop on this at the beginning of each year. People would contact me. Oh my gosh, I've just come third in my ocean swim. I put on the list, or booked the tickets to New York, or I've got that job as a greenkeeper at the school my kids go to. So we're talking best year goal, but like not like won the winning lotto, the lotto bought, yeah, bought, no. you know bought a yacht <laughs> in Maserati like not like yeah. we're talking like we're not saying like you know well, you can wish anything or sort of like it's going to yeah. be within within your means kind of like well yes and no I think it's good to go a little bit sort of you know just out there as well but you know I don't get every single one of them every year but I I love that sort of idea that you know shoot for the moon and you might land in the stars i yep. think that when we have a bit of clarity about what we'd like in our lives the universe co-conspires to help us get it absolutely, absolutely. so if you lie on the couch you do nothing and you don't grow yourself in any way i don't like your chances but you know get, get out there a and few, you get through a few netflix series that's about it. <laughs> it's give and take you gotta yeah. give, give a little to get a little right yeah i like um, it yeah mm. yeah and then I do, love the next one. Yeah, do your thing. Right. I love that. That's my yeah. favourite one. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten yeah. through them all yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm just letting people know that right. I'm at that. I'm, I'm like, number four. I think doing your thing. Yeah, whatever like, your thing is. Because yeah, to me one? that means don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. Just yeah. do ah, whatever nice. you want to do. Yeah, and right. And what's, what, what's your thing? So uh, for me it's cycling. Yeah. yeah, that's my happy place. That's my thing, that's you know. Cool. But it's whatever your thing is. <laughs> and it's about finding it because yeah. sometimes people don't know or even worse, they know and they just don't do it because they think they're too busy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, Pop out. Yeah, just make time for that because what happens, people get busy and then they drop it out of their life or their schedule but that's when they need it the most because when you're busy, it actually helps you to have a clearer head, to be, you know, in a better energy to get things done. People don't think about this stuff in the right way, do they? Because mm. the benefits of doing it, uh, you know, are there to counter counterbalance the stresses of the other things that you think are important. Yeah, absolutely. It's there, it's there as, a, as a safety measure, as a healthy coping mechanism for those times where you just need a little... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's cool. So yeah, that's do your thing. I like that. I like do your thing. Uh, yeah. cho- choose positive people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people are familiar with Jim Rowan's um, comment that we're the average of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. Uh, so yeah, I just think we do need to think about our five, think about you know who we spend time with and what impact that has on our energy levels because sometimes um, some people can be draining and so – you know, if you need to spend time with those people, fine. You know, sometimes people have mental health issues that, you know, can make life a bit harder. Uh, but you want to make sure that you actually spend time with some people who help to fill your cup, um, people who energise you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's very important. And then the last one. My second favourite. <laughs> which which is something that not enough people do. Yeah. Help one person every day. Yeah. So the acronym for that is HOPE. And yep. uh, this is not my original uh, work. I heard it on a podcast that I, I love and I was just taken by it instantly. I was like, yep, HOPE, help one person every day. So there's a bunch of research around uh, confirming the benefits from yeah. uh, kindness 
doing things for other people and um, it releases happy chemicals in our brain, you know, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and they actually counter the effects of cortisol, the stress hormone. So, There's very yeah. few people out there that volunteer to do things that say it was shit ass. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you don't hear often, mm. you know, volunteering to help people, you don't often hear that it was a bad experience. Yeah, I come to trying to think. Sorry, I'm away yeah. from the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost like that um, if you if you can't help yourself, help someone else. Yeah, it's so true. And that in doing so, you do help yourself. You do, yeah. yeah. It's Two like wins. one of the best ways to get out of a funk. Best ways to get yeah. out of a funk. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I also like find sometimes – when people are like, when these conversations come up and people are in the, in a situation where they're emotionally struggling for yeah. whatever reason at all and then someone's like, why don't you go volunteer somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it can be received the wrong way yeah. sometimes. But, yeah. like, I completely vouch for that. Yeah. It just provides you with not only positive memories but just a positive feeling, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's. I just love that it's a, a win-win. You know, you're helping yeah, someone else, but you're helping yourself as well. So, what, how does it look if you've got a son who you're helping all the time? I would imagine, like, does that, <laughs> that, that that probably doesn't count, does it? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's not always feeling rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're not getting much. You, took back, you little but prick! Yeah. I'm, I'm helping you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we've. I'm just looking at the. We haven't gone a while, yeah. Uh, uh, nearly an hour and twenty. Whoa. So it's been it's been a great podcast. Um, it's been a very this is this has been a heavy heavy podcast, yeah. and there's going to be a lot of people out there um, that have listened to this, um, and that yeah, if it's brought anything up, please please reach out, even the smallest slightest thing. Um, you Talk know, to someone absolutely, and if it's an emergency, obviously call triple zero. But uh, reach out to TX. We're here for you on oh four triple eight four six nine double eight, or just. Reach out to us on socials as well. Uh, we're in the mutt hut. Um, but Donna, thanks so much for telling your story today. Mm. Um, yeah, as we mentioned in in the podcast, it's it's still it seems like it's still very raw for you to be able to tell that story. And I don't think yeah. that's probably anything that will ever go away because of just how big it was. Mm. Um, but how much you've taken away from that, and then you know, investing your life to change and help other people as well. Um, because it'd be it'd be just as an easier thing to hide away and pretend it never happened, yeah. you know. So for you to show the vulnerability and want to be able to go out there and tell people that's a very powerful thing to do. Well, so so thank you for me to be completely transparent. Mm. The gravity of of this conversation, the fact that we are actually sitting here and you're talking about this stuff, uh, that hasn't I, I I don't think that's hit me really. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's massive. It is huge. You mm. just don't rarely hear the other side mm. and it's so important you know it's so important because we can't pussyfoot around this subject i agree we um, need to talk that's yeah. what it's about you know dan and i had a little conversation out the front <laughs> before i came in about you know just when we talk we help people know they're not the only one yeah you know we weren't talking about suicide we were talking about something sort of completely different but um that's that's why we need to have conversations that's why we need to communicate absolutely you know one of the major reasons that i share my story is because i want to give people hope yeah and it was honestly hope that changed my life when you know um 
that time when I sort of went, oh, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. Like a couple of – I saw a couple of presentations uh, – oh, no, actually a presentation and a conversation with a girlfriend where these women just said, you know, I had all this stuff happening and one day I just went um, – I don't want to live like this anymore. And I like got off the couch, dusted myself off and like just refused to compare myself to anyone and, you know, just got on with living the life I want. And that just gave me so much hope that life could be different from how it was then. And, uh, yeah, so I, I want to give other people hope. I want people to know that that – it's possible to live an amazing life even if you don't feel that way right now and it's important to just never give up and keep going to find what it is that you need to live that fulfilling life. Absolutely. Well, uh, Thanks, Donna. Talking of conversations, I just want to plug you. If anyone <laughs> wants to find Donna, <laughs> Donna Thistlethwaite, you got it right. got it. You got it. Donnaspeaks.com.au. Cool. Thanks, Check it out. You go out to workplaces? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's amazing to have you here, Donna. Um, super blessed to have shared this conversation with you. Can't thank you enough for being so vulnerable. That is why we exist, to empower vulnerability amongst our community. So this is yet another example of someone, upstanding member of society, putting themselves out there and doing what we all need to do more of. So congratulations. Thank you so much. And um, I'm thank sure you. this won't be the last we hear of you. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, guys. Thanks, it's Donna. been fun. Love Great. your work. Thank Donna. you. Great. Oh, that was awesome. <sighs> thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> if I stop, I'll die. <laughs>